Hey, hey, hey. Welcome, ladies, gents, and everything in between. Today I will be reading Chapter 1 of Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. Let's get into this. Chapter 1. I accidentally vaporized my pre-algebra teacher. Look, I didn't want to be a half-blood. If you're reading this because you think you might be one, my advice is, close this book right now. Believe whatever lie your mom or dad told you about your birth, and try to lead a normal life. Being a half-blood is dangerous. It's scary. Most of the time it gets you killed in painful, nasty ways. If you're a normal kid, reading this because you think it's fiction, great. Read on. I envy you for being able to believe that none of this ever happened. But if you recognize yourself in these pages, if you feel something stirring inside you, stop reading immediately. You might be one of us. And once you know that, it's only a matter of time before they sense it too. And they'll come for you. Don't say I didn't warn you. My name is Percy Jackson. I'm 12, year old, 12 years old. Until a few months ago, I was a boarding student at Yancey Academy, a private school for troubled kids in upstate New York. Am I a troubled kid? Yeah, you could say that. I could start at any point in my short, miserable life just to prove it, but things really started going bad. Last May, when our sixth grade class took a field trip to Manhattan, 28 men mental case kids and two teachers in a yellow school bus heading to the Metropolitan Museum of Art to take a look at ancient Greek and Roman stuff. I know, it sounds like torture. Most Yancey school, most Yancey field trips were. But Mr. Brunner, our Latin teacher, was leading this trip, so I had hopes. Mr. Brunner was this middle-aged guy in a motorized wheelchair. He had thinning hair and a scruffy beard and frayed tweed jacket, which always smelled like coffee. You wouldn't think he'd be cool, but he'd turn stories and jokes and but he told stories and jokes and let us play games in class. He also had this awesome collection of Roman armor and weapons, so he was the only teacher in his class that didn't put me to sleep. I hoped the trip would be okay. At least, I hoped that for once I wouldn't get in trouble. Boy, was I wrong. See, bad things happened to me on field trips. Like my fifth grade school, we went to the... Saratoga battlefield I had this accident with a revolutionary war cannon I wasn't aiming for the school bus but of course I got expelled anyways and before that in my 4th grade school we took a behind the scenes tour of marine world shark pool I sort of hit the wrong leveler on the catwalk and our class took an unexpected planned an unplanned swim the time before that well, you get the idea. This trip, I was determined to be good. All the way to the city, I put up with Nancy Bobofit, the freckly redhead kleptomaniac girl, hitting my best friend Grover in the back of the head with chunks of peanut butter and ketchup sandwich. Grover was an easy target. He was scrawny. He cried, cried when he got frustrated. He must have been held back several grades because he was the only sixth grader with acne and the start of a wispy beard on his chin. On top of all that, he was crippled. He had a note excusing him from P.E. for the rest of his life because he had some kind of muscular disease in his legs. 
He walked funny, like every step hurt him, but don't let that fool you. You should have seen him run when it was enchilada day in the cafeteria. Anyway, Nancy Bobafit was throwing wads of sandwich that stuck in his curly brown hair, and she knew I couldn't do anything, back to her because I was already on probation. The headmaster had threatened me with death by in-school suspension if anything bad, embarrassing, or even mildly entertaining happened on this trip. I'm going to kill her, I mumbled. Grover tried to calm me down. It's okay. I like peanut butter. He dodged another piece of Nancy's lunch. That's it. I started to get up, but Grover pulled me back to my seat. You're already on probation, he reminded me. He reminded me. You know who'll get blamed if anything happens. Looking back on it, I wish I'd ducked Nancy Bobo fit. Right then and there. Insult suspension would have been nothing compared to the mess I was about to get myself into. Mr. Brenner led the museum tour. He rode up front in his wheelchair, guiding us through the big echoey galleries past marble statues in glass cases full of really old black and orange po pottery. It blew my mind that this stuff had survived 2,000, 3,000 years. He gathers us around a 13-foot-tall stone column with a big sphinx on the top and started telling us how it was a grave marker, a steely, for a girl about our age. He told us about the carvings on the sides, and I was trying to listen to what he had to say, because it was kind of interesting. But everybody around me was talking, and every time I told them to shut up, the other teacher chaperone, Mrs. Dodds, would give me the evil eye. Mrs. Dodds was a little math teacher from Georgia, who always wore a black leather jacket, even though she was 50 years old. She looked mean enough to write a Harley right into your locker. She had come to Yancey halfway through the year, when our last math teacher had a nervous breakdown. From her first day, Mrs. Dodds loved Nancy Bobo fit, and figured I was the devil's spawn. She would point her crooked finger at me and say, Now, honey, real sweet, and I knew I was going to get after-school detention for a month. One time, she'd made me erase answers out of an old math work notebooks until midnight. I told Grover I didn't think Miss, Mrs. Dodds was human. He looked at me real serious and said, You're absolutely right. Mr. Brenner kept talking about the about Greek funeral art. Finally, Nancy Bobo said, snickered about some naked guy on the steely, and I turned around and said, Will you shut up? It came out louder than I meant to. The whole group laughed. Mr. Brenner stopped his story. Mr. Jackson, he said, do you have a comment? My face was totally red. I said, No, sir. Mr. Brenner pointed at one of the pictures on the steely. Perhaps you, you'll tell us what this picture represents. I looked at the carving and felt a flush of relief. Because I actually recognized it. That's Kronos eating his kids, right? Uh, sorry. Yes, Mr. Brenner said, obviously not satisfied. And he did this because... Well, I racked my brain to remember. Kronos was the king god and... God? Mr. Brenner asked. Titan, I corrected myself. And he didn't trust his kids who were the gods. So, uh, Kronos ate them, right? But his wife hid the baby Zeus and gave Kronos a rock to eat instead. And later, when Zeus grew up, he tricked his dad, Kronos, into barfing up his brothers and sisters. Ew! One of the girls behind 
said one of the girls behind me. And so there was this big fight between the gods and the titans, it continues. And the gods won. Some stickers from the group. Behind me, Nancy Boba Fett mumbled to a friend. Like, we're ever going to use this in real life? Like, it's going to say on our job applications. Please explain why Cronus ate his kids. And why, Mr. Jackson, Mr. Bruner said, to to paraphrase Miss Boba Fett's excellent question, does this matter in real life? Busted, Grover muttered. Shut up, Nancy hissed, her face even brighter than her hair. At least Nancy got packed, too. Mr. Bruner was the only one who ever caught her saying anything wrong. He had radar ears. I thought about his questions and shrugged. I don't know, sir. I see. Mr. Brenner looked disappointed. Well, half credit, Mr. Jackson. Zeus did indeed feed Cronus a mixture of mustard and wine, which made him, which made him disgorge the other few five children, who, of course, being immortal gods, had been living and growing up completely undigested in the Titan's stomach. The gods defeated their father, sliced him into pieces with his own scythe, and scattered his remains in Tartarus, the darkest part of the underworld. On that happy note, it's time for lunch. Mrs. Dodds, would you like to lead us back outside? The class drifted off, the girls holding their stomachs and guys pushing each other around and acting like doofuses. Grover and I were about to follow when Mr. Brunner said, Mr. Jackson, I knew that was coming. I told Grover to keep going. Then I turned to, towards Mr. Brenner. Sir, Mr. Brenner had this look that, that wouldn't let you go. Intense brown eyes that could have been a thousand years old and had seen everything. You must learn the answer to my question, Mr. Brenner told me. About the Titans? About real life, and how your studies apply to it. Oh. What you learned from me, he said, is vitally important. I expect you to treat it as such. I will only accept the best from you, Percy Jackson. I wanted to get angry. This guy pushed me so hard. I mean, sure, it was kind of cool on tournament days. And he dressed up in suit, went in a suit of Roman ardor and shouted, What ho! and challenged a sword pointed against Chuck to run to the board and name every Greek and Roman person that had a, who had delivered lived and their mother and what god they worshipped. But Mr. Brenner expected me be, to be good as everybody else, despite the fact that I had dyslexia and attention deficit disorder, and I had never made a made above a C- minus in my life. No, he didn't expect me to be as good. He expected me to be better. And I just couldn't learn all those numbers and facts, much less spell them correctly. I mumbled something about trying harder while Mr. Brenner took one long, sad look at the Sealy like he'd seen, been at that girl's funeral. He told me to go outside and eat my lunch. The class gathered on the front steps of the museum, where we would watch the foot traffic along Fifth Avenue. Overhead, a huge storm was brewing, with clouds blacker than I'd seen over the city. I figured maybe it was global warming or something, because the weather was all across New York State had been weird since Christmas. We'd had massive snowstorms, flooding, wildfires from wildfires from lightning strikes. I wouldn't have been surprised if there was a hurricane blowing in. Nobody else seemed to notice. Some guys were pelting pigeons with lunchable crackers. Nancy Boba Fett was trying to pit pocket someone from 
something from a lady's purse, and, of course, Mrs. Dodds wasn't seeing a thing. Grover and I sat on the edge of a fountain, away from the others. We thought that maybe if we did that, everybody wouldn't know we were from that school. The school for loser freaks who couldn't make it any who couldn't make it elsewhere. Detention? Grover asked. Nah, I said, not from Brunner. I just wish he'd lay off of me sometimes. I mean, I'm not a genius. Grover didn't say anything for a while. Then when I thought he was going to give some deep philosophical comment to make me feel better, he said, Can I have your apple? <laughs> I didn't have much of an appetite, so I let him take it. I watched a stream of cabs go down Fifth Avenue, and I thought about my mom's apartment, only a little ways uptown from where we sat. I hadn't seen her since Christmas. I wanted so bad to jump in a taxi and head home. She'd hug me and be glad to see me, but then she'd be disappointed, too. She'd send me right back to Yancey, remind me that I have that I had to try harder, even if this was my sixth, school in si my sixth school in six years. I was probably going to be kicked out again, and I wouldn't be able to stand that sad look she gave me. Mr. Brenner parked his wheelchair at the base of the handicap ramp. He, had s he ate celery while he read the paperback a paperback novel. A red umbrella stuck out from the back of his chair, making it look like a motorized cafe table. I was about to unwrap my sandwich when Nancy Boba Fett appeared in front of me with her ugly friends. I guess she'd gotten tired of stealing from the tourists, and dumped half her, her half-eaten lunch in, in Grover's lap. Oops! She grinned at me in, with her crooked teeth. Her freckles were orange, as if someone had spray-painted her face with liquid Cheetos. I tried to stay cool. The school counselor had told me a million times, Count to ten, get control of your temper. But I was so mad my mind would blink. A wave roared over my, in my ears. I, didn't, I don't remember touching her, but the next thing I knew, Nancy was sitting on her butt in the fountain screaming, Percy pushed me! Mrs. Dodds materialized next to us. The kids were whispering, Did you see? The water! It, like it grabbed her! I didn't know what they were talking about. All I knew is I was in trouble again. As soon as Mrs. Dodds was sure poor little Nancy Bobbleville was okay, promising to get her a new short shirt at the museum's gift shop, etc., etc., Mrs. Dodds chorned me. There was a triumphant fire in her eyes, as if, I, as if I'd done something she'd been waiting for all semester. Now, honey, I know, I grumbled, a month of erasing workbooks. That wasn't the right thing to say. Come with me. Mrs. Dodds said. Wait! It was me! I pushed her! Grover yelped. I stared at him, stunned. I couldn't believe he was trying to cover for me. Mrs. Dodds scared Grover to death. She glared at him so hard his whiskey chin trembled. I don't think so, Mr. Underwood, she said. But you will stay here. Grover looked at me desperately. It's okay, man, I told him. Thanks for trying. Honey, Miss Dodds barked at me. Now! Nancy Bovofit smirked. I gave her my deluxe, I'll kill you later, stare. Then turned to face Mrs. Dodds, but she, was, she wasn't there. She was standing at the museum entrance, way at the top of the steps, gesturing impatiently at me to come on. 
how'd she get there so fast? I have, I have moments like that a lot, where my brain fails, falls asleep or something, and the next thing I know I've missed something, as if a puzzle piece fell out of the universe and left me staring at the blank piece behind it. The school counselor told me it was part of ADHD, of the ADHD, my brain misinterpreting things. I wasn't so sure. I went after Mrs. Dodds. Halfway up the sense, I glanced back at Grover. He was looking pale, cutting eyes between me and Mr. Brunner, like he wanted Mr. Brunner to notice what was going on. But Mr. Brunner was absorbed in his novel. I looked back up. Mrs. Dodds, Mrs. Dodds had disappeared again. She was now inside the building, at the end of the entrance hall. Okay, I thought. She's going to make me a, buy a new short for Nancy at the gift shop. But apparently that wasn't the plan. I followed her deep deeper into the museum. When I finally caught up to her, we were back at the Greek and Roman section. Except for us, the gallery was empty. Mrs. Dodd stood with her arms crossed in front, in front of a giant marble phrase of the Greek gods. She was making this weird noise in her throat, like growling. Even without the noise, I would have been nervous. It's weird being alone with a teacher, especially Mrs. Dodds. Something about the way she looked at the phrase, as if she wanted to pulverize it. You've been causing us problems, honey, she said. I did the safe thing. I said, yes, ma'am. She tugged the cuffs of her leather jacket. Did you really think you'd get away with it? The look in her eyes was beyond mad. It was evil. She was a teacher, I thought nervously. It's not like she was going to hurt me. I said, I'll, I'll try harder, ma'am. Thunder shook the building. We're not fools, Percy Jackson, Miss Dodds said. It was only a matter of time before we found you out. Confess, and you will suffer less pain. I didn't know what she was talking about. All I could think of was the teachers must have found an the illegal stash of candy I'd been selling out of my dorm rooms. Or maybe they realized I got my essay from Tom Sawyer from the internet without even reading the book. And now they were going to take my, away my grade. Or worse, they were going to make me read the book. Well, she demanded, Ma'am, I don't... Your time is up, she hissed. Then the weirdest thing happened. Her eyes began to glow like barbecue coals. Her fingers stretched, turning into talons. Her jacket melted into large, leathery wings. She wasn't human. She was a shriveled hag with bat wings and claws and a mouth full of yellow fangs. And she was about to slice me into ribbons. Then things got even stranger. Mr. Brenner, who had been out in front of the museum, a minute before, wheeled his chair into the doorway of the gallery, holding up a pen in his hand. "'What ho, Percy!' he shouted and tossed the pen through the air. Mrs. Dodge lunged at me. With a yelp, I dodged and felt talons slash the air next to my ear. I snatched the ballpoint pen out of the air, but when it hit my hand, it wasn't a pen anymore. It was a sword. Mr. Brunner's bronze sword, which he always used on tournament day. Mrs. Dodd spun towards me, with a murderous look in her eyes. My knees were jelly. My hands were shaking so bad I almost dropped the sword. She snarled, Die, honey! And she flew straight at me. Absolute terror ran through my body. I did the only thing that came naturally. I swung the sword. 
The metal blade hit her shoulder and passed clean through her body as if she were made of water. <sighs> Miss Dodds was a sand castle of powder in a powder fan. She exploded into yellow powder. Oh, in a power fan. She exploded into yellow powder, vaporized on the spot, leaving nothing but the smell of sulfur and a dying screech and a chill of evil in the air, as if those two glowing eyes were still watching me. I was alone. There was a ballpoint pen in my hand. Mr. Brunner wasn't there. Nobody was there but me. My hands were still trembling. My lunch munch should have been contained by magic mushrooms or something. Must have been contaminated contaminated with magic mushrooms or something. Had I imagined the whole thing? I went back outside. It had started to rain. Grover was sitting by the fountain, a museum map tented over his head. Nancy Bobofoot was still standing there, soaked from her swim in the fountain, grumbling to her ugly friends. When she saw me, she said, I hope Miss Kerr whipped your butt. I said, Who? Our teacher! Duh! I blinked. We had no teacher named Mrs. Kerr. I asked Nancy what she was talking about. She just rolled her eyes and turned away. I asked Grover where Mrs. Dodds was. He said, Who? Who? But he paused first, and he wouldn't look at me, so I thought he was messing with me. Not funny, man, I told him. This is serious. Thunder boomed overhead. I saw Mr. Brunner sitting under his red umbrella, reading his book as if he never moved. I went over to him. He looked up, a little distracted. Ah, oh, that would be my pen. Please bring your own writing utensil in the future, Mr. Jackson. I handed Mr. Brunner his pen. I hadn't even realized I was still holding it. Sir, I said, where's Mrs. Dodds? He stared blankly at me. Who? The other chaperone, Mrs. Dodds, the pre-algebra teacher? He frowned and sat forward, looking mildly concerned. Percy, there is no Mrs. Dodds on this trip. As far as I know, there's never been a Mrs. Dodds at Yancey Academy. Are you feeling all right? And that is chapter one of Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. I do hope you enjoyed and have a wonderful time of your life, I guess.